Good, good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? Would you please pray with us? 
Dear God, we're so grateful for this day. We're so thankful for the opportunity that we're able to come here and worship you together. Lord, we pray today that you would um, keep us safe through the Memorial Day weekend and also help us to remember the true reason um, and be grateful for those who have served us and um, continue to serve our country. We're very thankful for that. We pray today, Lord, that you would open our hearts and open our minds so that we can focus on the message and receive your word. Amen.
Good morning. I'm Leanna Morris. I'm the director of connections here at Memorial. Um, we just have a few announcements this morning before we begin our worship service. If you're visiting here with us, we're so glad that you chose to spend your Sunday morning here with us. Um, and I'd like to encourage you to fill out a welcome card that will be in the pew pad as they go around. If you'll open your bulletins in this first little registration panel here, it has annual conference information if you'd like to volunteer. And there's a couple of different options for how you can do that, your contact information, and what days you're best available. And then right under that, if you are graduating from high school, undergraduate, graduate, we want to recognize you. And tomorrow is the last day to turn that in to Katie if you want to be recognized on graduation Sunday. So Pastor Joe is off today. That's why I, you have me up here this morning. Um, and we have Garner Brooks preaching. He goes to the 11 service, and he just graduated from North Greenville and is attending seminary in the fall. So that's fun stuff, and we're so glad we have him with us this morning. And since it is Memorial Day weekend, we are going to shape our morning prayer this morning around that to honor our veterans and those who have lost their lives serving our country. So if you will bow your heads and pray with me this morning. Loving God, while in the quiet worship spaces in which we gather across our nation today, let us call on you as a source of prayer and strength. Remind us you created us, you sustain us, and you call us to live in peace. Hear our prayer for those who have died in the line of duty, protecting our country, and whose hearts and hopes are known to you alone. Hear our prayer for those who put the welfare of others ahead of their own. Hear our prayer for those who live with the burden of witnessing such atrocities and who want to return home to their families. Help us be your instruments of peace in the, to those who have returned home and will return home. Help us comfort those who grieve the loss of their loved ones and let your healing be the hope in their hearts. Hear our prayer this day and in your mercy answer us in the name of all that is holy as we pray the prayer that your son taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Good morning. So as Leanna said, I'm Garner Brooks, for those of you who don't know me. Um, I did recently graduate from North Greenville, and I have felt called to ministry, and so I'm going to seminary in the fall, and um, I'll be preaching uh, since Joe's absent today. And so our sermon text today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. But before we read it, or it may be up there, I don't know. There we go. But <laughs> let me give you some background on how I came to this text. So late Tuesday, I was sitting in my room, and Joe texted me and asked me if I could preach today. And my first thought was, well, good. That means that you know, last time must have went pretty well. You know, if I got invited back. But uh, so I didn't embarrass myself too bad. 
And, but I kind of thought, well, I've never done a sermon this quickly before. So, you know, do I think I can do it? But ministry goes that way sometimes, so I thought I should just go ahead and go ahead and do it. And I gladly accepted the opportunity, and y'all have graciously given me a few opportunities, and I appreciate that. Um, and so I didn't have to look long, though, to find out what God wanted me to preach about today. I've been reading through the New Testament lately, and I came across this text up here a few days ago, a few days before Joe texted me, actually. And it spoke to me not only in the moment and in the situation in which I was reading it, but um, it reassured me that God, of course, knew that I was going to be preaching today because he spoke directly to my situation then, to any nervousness I have now, and comforted me uh, before the offer was even extended to me to be here today. So, as I said, when I was looking for a ter sermon text, it spoke directly to me, and I hope it speaks directly to you today. So, let's read it. It's 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 10. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. That's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so this letter from Paul was not his first correspondence with the Corinthian church. He had personally started the Corinthian church. He had been there to them personally and witnessed to all of them. And he had previously written a letter to them that we don't have. And he received a delegation and a letter from the Corinthian church and it's those concerns that he's writing about. And the biggest problem with the church at Corinth was that they were a very worldly and prideful church. And this led to other divisions and problems that Paul had to address in his letter. And one of the problems in particular we'll discuss today is that they had a worldly idea about what wisdom is. And what is worldly wisdom? Well, first, let's define what wisdom is. And um, the Proverbs tell us that wisdom is um, primarily about, uh, the, the wisdom of the Proverbs is about God's created order and that God created it in such a way that you know, the world works and favors good people and good actions and judges bad actions. For example, in Proverbs chapter 2, it says, God holds success in store for the righteous and guards the way of the just. And we know from Romans 8.28 that God works all things for our good, for the good of those who love him. But we know from the Proverbs and from observations that we see in our lives in the world that if you do good things and you say good things and you act in good ways, that generally everything works out better for you. 
you know, if you do good and say good, then you never have a hot mic moment that ruins your reputation. And God made the world to work that way. And so in Proverbs 2.5, um, or in Proverbs 1.7, is the theme of the entire book of Proverbs, and it says this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And some translations say the beginning of wisdom instead of knowledge. But we have, as Christians, and Paul talks about this in our text, know that the wisdom of God is most manifested in the gospel, and that's how we know the Lord. Wisdom, as Paul says in chapter 1, is not determined by who appears to be the strongest, or who has the biggest microphone, or who has the biggest audience, not by who's smartest, or who, who has the highest degree, or the best title. It's not a king, a president, or a CEO. That's not who decides what wisdom is. And there are plenty of strong and smart and noble people that miss out on what true wisdom is. Paul said as much in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 and 21. Paul said he sought only to know Jesus Christ and him crucified in our main text. He says that in chapter 2, verse 2. And that's all he sought to know. He recognized that true wisdom, what it was, and how important it was that this wisdom be the foundation of his church and of our church and the foundation of all believers' faith. And when I spoke earlier about coming to this text and how it speaks so well to me personally, here's what I meant. It's a huge relief to know that I don't have to try to sound smart to preach the word of God. You know, I know that's hard for y'all to get, you know, because Joe's thoughts are always so up here. You know, he's very, very intellectual. Um, but you don't have to try to sound smart to preach the word to people or to tell other people about God. And that, that second part, telling people about God, is what I've been really burdened about lately. You know, I don't have to preach each week, and neither do y'all, but we do come into contact with unbelievers each week or even each day. And a lot of times we want to say something to those people. We want to tell them about our faith, but we don't really know how. You know, I'm sure you've all been in situations where, you know, you get nervous because you have to tell someone something and you're not really sure what they're going to say or what, how they're going to react. And that's, that was Paul's experience when starting the Corinthian church. He uses words like weakness and fear and trembling to describe his experience in witnessing to the Corinthians. And that's how we feel a lot. We feel inadequate or we feel like we don't know enough and we wonder what people are going to think of us. But the truth is, it doesn't matter how I feel or how you feel, whether confident or afraid. Paul himself didn't appear to be very confident to his opponents. They said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, Paul said his opponents believed he, his teachings were too complicated and that Paul didn't really sound or look very impressive. But Paul also said in 2 Corinthians that the grace of God was sufficient for him, so he accepted his weaknesses and his limitations and his obstacles, his opportunities to rely on God and for the power of God to overcome his weaknesses and be made visible. And I'll repeat that. The grace of God was sufficient for him, so he accepted his weaknesses and his limitations and the opposition as opportunities to rely on God and for the power of God to overcome his weaknesses. 
Jewish and Greek opponents that God faced, they would say, Paul said, that, said in chapter 1, verses 18 and 22, they would say that the cross is foolishness. And they would demand that Paul give some other kinds of signs or um, some wise philosophical saying, and that's why they should believe. But Paul said, what appears to be foolish to them is really the power and the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ and him crucified. The people that scoffed at Paul and opposed him so much, they're the ones that are really foolish. Ultimately, these people are prideful and they're placing their trust in human strength and human wisdom and God's weakness and his strength is much greater than that. In Jesus, the power and wisdom of God rests on you. Neither you nor I have to be afraid that we aren't as confident or strong, as smart as anyone else. And that's what Paul says should be the grounds of our faith. And not in how fancy or smart your preacher sounds, not in any intellectual arguments or something you read on the internet or in a book, although those can be very useful. Your trust must be in Jesus Christ alone. And though some of Paul's opponents, and some of our own, may suggest that there's, you know, no wisdom in our message and that the cross is foolish, just gibberish, Paul says that there is power and there is wisdom in the cross. And the power that Paul says is in the message is this. It is the power of God that saves. That is the power that Paul's referring to. That we know that there is no other name under heaven by which we can call upon and be saved. That's the name of Jesus. And that was different from the Jews and the Greeks in Paul's day and that's what separates us as Christians from every other religion today. And that's why Paul can say that the foolishness, what appears to be foolish to the world, is really the power and the wisdom of God to the mature, to those who aren't perishing. Because Jesus Christ and him crucified is about what God has done for us and not about what we have tried to do and how God will use that power to save anyone who will repent and believe. And that's the power that Paul's speaking of. And the wisdom that Paul's speaking of is the wisdom of God's eternal plan. God planned to bring Christ into the world and through Christ to display his glory by saving sinners. By allowing those in weakness and in fear and in trembling to understand the gospel, not those who are supposed to be the most wise or the most powerful, not those with the right title or the right degree. And Paul makes his point very clear in saying that if the authorities had understood who Jesus was, they wouldn't have crucified him. It was not Pontius Pilate or the Pharisees who understood who Jesus was. It was children, it was fishermen, it was ordinary people. Paul sums up his point in saying, no one can conceive of all the things God has prepared for those who love him. Only the Spirit of God can reveal those things to people. And that's why Paul can say that by earthly wisdom and power, people can't understand it because only the Holy Spirit can reveal it to people as he has for all of us. So how do we relate to what Paul's talking about? What's the point? Here it is. God has revealed this power and this wisdom to us. And like Paul, we have to go and tell other people even though we're scared, even though we don't feel very confident, even though we're afraid. And this is what I have felt burned about lately, and I hope that you do too. Um, how do we talk to unbelievers that we know and see often, like unbelieving coworkers 
or friends or even family that we may have that are unbelievers when we're afraid? What do we do? There are a few things that we can do in those situations. First, we can remember that you are not the only one that has struggled with this problem. The Apostle Paul himself struggled with this problem, and if he was an apostle and struggled with it, there is no way that we aren't going to. So there must be a way for us to overcome our fear and tell others about God despite our fear. And after you remember that Paul struggled with this, remember the helpful news that he gave us, that nothing about you matters when you're telling people about Jesus. And judging from, you know, Paul talked about his weaknesses in 2 Corinthians, and um, he says that he had ailments, physical ailments in 2 Corinthians, and he said that he had a thorn in his flesh. We don't know quite what that was, but one theory is that Paul may have actually had a chronic illness that greatly hindered his ministry. Maybe even one that caused him to look weak or, you know, bless his heart, not very good. And, you know, but that didn't matter. No matter how you may look or sound to someone, if you're preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified, there's an opportunity for God to work in that situation. And that means if it doesn't matter how you look or sound, it doesn't matter how someone else looks or sounds. Remember, Jesus Christ is our confidence, our power, and our wisdom. Jesus is the one we put our confidence in. If we trust in ourselves or trust in how smart we are, that won't really be enough to get us to talk to other people about Jesus. And even if it were, you know, you've heard the saying, no one likes a know-it-all, and we've all known people like that at school or at work that aren't really concerned about helping other people. They just want to look smart or look like the best person in the room. But intellectual pride should least of all be present when telling people about God. The Pharisees and the Greeks in Paul's day certainly placed a lot of confidence in intellect, but Jesus doesn't call us to be the smartest person in the room. He calls us to tell other people about him. If that's how we act, if we act prideful, then we won't really be speaking about Jesus Christ and about him crucified. And the Proverbs use a word to describe people that are prideful and arrogant like that. They're called fools. And that's automatically what we'll be if our goal is to look smart. So who is it that God is calling you to go to? We interact with unbelievers all the time, people that don't know Jesus. Whoever those people are that don't know God, those are the people God is calling you to go to. And so ask yourself, you know, who are those people? And if you haven't talked to them about your faith, why? It could be that you're scared or you don't know what you're going to say. But God is calling you to go to them. He's calling me to go to them. And he's even told us what to tell people. Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is your power and your wisdom from God to tell people. So tell people about how wonderful and powerful and wise the cross of Jesus Christ is, and God will do the rest. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And now let us give our tithes and offerings. You can give in the offering plate as it goes around, or there are instructions in your bulletin on how to give online. Sorry, affirmation yet? Or affirmation, sorry. <laughs> we'll do that first. Okay. Please join me in the modern affirmation. We believe in God the Father, 
infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is all over his works, and those will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, like the kingdom of God may be present reality here on earth. Now, it's time for our tithes and offerings.
stand and sing this last one with us. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you. our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. How Great week.